This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dear listeners, we present to you the full version of the story that you enjoyed. I decided not to celebrate my 50th birthday at work. I was going to be retired anyway, without too much ado. I gathered my closest associates in my office. We drank a couple of bottles of whiskey and had a snack. We sat and talked, and at about 8 o'clock in the evening we went home. I called a cab, because I was well drunk, and went home, too. I did not enter into a debate with my wife, did not make any demands. I simply undressed and went to sleep in the hall. The next day the head of the department called me and gave me a pension certificate and a box with a tea set, as a memorable gift to a pensioner. Well, don't be offended. The chief tried to be supportive. It was a decision made there. He moved his chin to the ceiling, giving to understand that the decision about my retirement was taken at the very top and nothing depended on him personally. Yes, even if it depended, you would have done nothing. I thought, but did not say anything out loud. I shook the sweaty palm of the man who betrayed me and went to the exit. Yuri, hand over to a new employee? In the voice of my former boss sounded begging tones. Alas, I would with all my heart, but catastrophically no time. Going fishing. Without turning around, I said and carefully closed the door behind me. This phase of life was over for me. I loaded a box with my belongings into the trunk, put the tea set on the seat and sat behind the steering wheel of my SUV. I had nowhere else to hurry. I decided to drop the boxes off at my and my wife's country house and drive to the city apartment to change especially since my wife was supposed to go there after work. I said our country house, but it belonged more to my wife, since she was the one who made most of the money for our family. We got married quite early, when we were still students. Svita was in her fourth year of law school, and I graduated from the Polytechnic, Department of Radio Engineering. We were one year apart in age, which gave good prospects for our family. As it usually happens, our first child, our son, was born exactly nine months after our wedding. We named him Dima. Four years later our daughter Mosha was born. My parents and hers helped us raise our children. After graduation, I served two years in the army, and then I was transferred to a company, where I worked in my institute specialty. Svita went into law. She specialized in business law and handled mostly bankruptcy cases. She soon separated from her native company and went into solo practice. Ten years later Svita became the owner of a thriving law firm, which was entrusted to handle their tangled cases of rich and famous businessmen. As time went by, Svita was earning fame and credibility in our city. I remained in the shadow of my wife. I must say that it didn't bother me much. She tried not to drag me to social events, knowing that these parties I did not like. I preferred hunting and a little fishing. The fact that I didn't hang out with Svita didn't mean I didn't keep track of my wife. I must say that Svita was quite an attractive woman, with beautiful legs and a tight little ass. 
Some men were jumping out of their pants, trying to lure her into their nets. But, Svita stood firm on the guard of family values. At least I had no reason to suspect her of treason. I was sure of her. Finally, the children have grown up. My son got married and moved to the capital. On the way was a grandson. My daughter graduated from university and also lived separately. We sighed more freely. Just. By that time Svita had built a large country house and we breathed fresh air almost all year round which was not spoiled by city stench. It was to this cottage that I headed. When I pulled up to the house, I saw my wife's car parked in the driveway. I was even more surprised, since Svita had to be at work. Well, plans might have changed after all. I leisurely went up to the second floor, carrying boxes of junk in my hands. I carefully put them in my office and was about to go down to the car. But my attention was caught by strange noises coming from the guest bedroom at the end of the hall. I was more surprised than alarmed. I walked to the loosely closed door and listened. There were painfully familiar noises coming from behind the door. It was the sound of my Svita screaming during the last phase of lovemaking. After so many years of married life I understood and knew every moan she made. But the voice that belonged to the second character was not familiar to me. My wife cried out in a voice torn with passion. Do you feel good with me? Yes, yes. You're the best. Better than a husband. Passionately answered Svita. And so on. For some reason it made me laugh. Funny and bitter. My wife, a successful and respectable woman, mother of two children, grandmother of five, was calling herself the whore of some scoundrel. Oh, the times, the manners. When they started up their ruckus again, I opened the door. A few minutes passed while Svita took a sideways glimpse of my motionless frozen figure. She pushed her playmate away and stared at me in surprise. Her lover deftly crawled under the sheet and fell silent, pretending to be a hose. Svita jumped down to the floor and headed toward me as if nothing had happened. I looked at her naked figure and a lump began to roll up in my throat. Yura, do not make a scene. Go to town, we'll talk in the evening. She told me this in such a calm voice, as if she was sending me to the store for potatoes. I expected tears, sobbing, remorse. And here was a calm, even, emotionless voice. Talk to you later. I stood there for a while, as if in a stupor. I could have nailed her lover. Believe me, I wouldn't have had much trouble doing that. Throw the cheating wife out of the house. Chase her around the yard, screaming, for the neighbor's amusement. But in my mind were her words spoken during a period of passion, you're better than a husband. And that was a verdict. A verdict on our family. That's not forgivable. I stared into her indifferent eyes for a while. Then I gritted through my teeth. At least cover up, bitch. I turned and walked out. What a coincidence. I almost simultaneously lost my job and my wife. The fact that Svita for me is already past, I had no doubt. I was not hysterical, I did not ask, why, not sobbing, frantically hugging the pillow. I took the blow of fate upon myself. The only thing I had to do was gather my thoughts. And the first thing to do was to solve the housing problem. 
Technically I had one-fourth of an apartment and a country house. But I knew perfectly well that my wife's lawyers would leave me nothing. And I would still owe them. By the way, the car is also registered to Svita. I looked at my watch. One o'clock. It's time. I pulled over to the curb and took out my smartphone. This had caught my eye right away. Lakeside home for sale. Quiet, peaceful place. Great fishing and hunting. And the price, quite affordable for me. I dialed the contact number listed in the ad. A woman answered. She told me that this house was built by her father when he returned from the seas. He lived there until his death. The house stood empty for almost a year until the new owner decided to sell it after all. The house stands deep in the woods. Around for tens of kilometers of thick forest. Not everyone would dare to live in such a remote place. So time after time the price of the house had to be reduced. I was fine with it. I offered her a little more, but asked to draw up a deed of gift for me. I was still married and did not want to risk it. An hour later we met at the notaries and executed the contract. I had just bought my own country house. She told me where the key to the front door was, said goodbye to me, got into a cab, and drove away. Wasting no time, I arrived at the apartment and started packing. Several times Svita called. I did not pick up the phone. Then text messages started pouring in, where are you? I'm worried, Yura, we need to talk. But I wasn't paying attention to them anymore. After gathering my things, I called a cab. I threw the keys to the apartment and the car into the mailbox. I took a cab to the garage. My father's car was as good as new and running. I threw my backpack and a large bag in the trunk, warmed up the engine, and, taking my time, drove off to open a new page of my life. My car raced down the highway, dispersing the light snow that had fallen overnight, leaving a fast-fading trail behind it. After about 30 kilometers, I turned off the highway onto a dirt road, and I ran into a solid wall of forest, which, according to the map, stretched for dozens of kilometers. The farther I drove, the narrower the road became. I slowed down, and soon I was surrounded by a dense forest. For a while the road went almost to the shore. The road turned sharply to the left, and soon I was approaching a small, blackened by time, log house, standing on the very shore of the lake. A few apple trees were drowning in the mown weeds beside it. A high fence ran down to the water. From the side of the lake I could see the pier on wooden stanchions driven into the water. I stopped the car, shut off the engine, and got out, looking curiously at my purchase. The air was filled with the smell of algae, damp, dust, and rotten rags. The house stared out at me through windows that reflected the crimson sun dipping behind the pine tops. The walls were made of treated pine logs. The roof is covered with slate. A small porch and a massive door, padded with wrought iron. Wooden oars leaned against the wall next to it. A little further away, on low wooden piles stood a log barn, which appeared to have been used for storing firewood. Behind the barn, by the water, was a bathhouse. Climbing up to the low porch, I reached over the door and found a rusty key. Unscrewing the shackle, I carefully removed the lock and pulled the forged handle of the door toward me. 
I was expecting to see the inside of the cabin, a mess of cobwebs and abandoned things, but to my surprise I saw a clean and fairly comfortable room. Only it was cold and smelled like mice. Almost in the middle of the room there was a cast iron stove on a steel plate lined with wild stone. Wood was neatly stacked next to the stove. A nickel-plated iron bed stood by the far wall, tucked in with a protective colored wool blanket. Above the bed hung a well-made wolfskin instead of a rug, over which were nailed roe deer antlers. On them, on a wide tarpaulin belt, hung an old rifle. A table made of oak with carved legs stood by the window, from which there was a fantastically beautiful view of the lake and the small, pine-covered island at its very center. To the right of the front door was an antique cabinet. Sitting closest to the closet was an equally old refrigerator. On the opposite wall hung an old painting. To the left and right of the painting were an antique ship's clock and steering wheel. It looked as if the former owner might have had something to do with the navy. I looked at the clock, a quarter to six. I closed my eyes and listened to the silence. It had been an eventful day, and I had received my pension certificate that morning, and I felt quite happy. At lunchtime I was left without a wife and a corner of my own. And in the evening I found myself in the middle of the woods. But why in the middle of nowhere? It was less than 40 kilometers from the city. I pulled the car closer to the porch and started to carry my things into the house. It was rather cold in the house, so the first thing I did was to heat the stove. The first thing I did was to find a switch in the hallway and turn on the light. He flicked the switch, and the light bulb under the ceiling came on briskly. The refrigerator rumbled like a well-fed cat. I laid out my things in the closet and stuffed my groceries in the fridge. It was darkening rapidly outside the windows. Twilight was falling. It was time to think about dinner. The electric stove was in the hallway. I decided not to bother. I opened a can of porridge and put it on the stove. Ten minutes later, dinner was ready, and I ate quickly, leaving the tea for later. While I was eating, it got dark. To occupy myself, I decided to rummage through the closet. On the bottom shelf, just under the hanger, there was a large tarpaulin bundle tied with twine. I carefully untied the twine, unwrapped the cloth, and could not believe my eyes. A disassembled double-barreled shotgun. A 16-gauge. Yeah, that was lucky. To my surprise, the gun was well-oiled, but slightly affected by rust. Well, that would be something to do. I assembled the gun and put it in the corner. I opened the other drawers. In the right one I found rags, gun oil, and, to my great joy, ammunition. Twenty of them in an unopened, oiled pack. I draped a top over the table and placed the gun on it. Fractured it and looked down the barrels. Took a metal can of gun oil out of the table drawer. I moved my stool so that the light fell on the table and began to clean my weapon. It seemed to me that the gun was even younger after cleaning. I opened the pack, loaded the gun with ammunition, and put the safety on. The phone rang again. The screen read, Sweetheart. I even shuddered. Before my eyes again appeared a disgusting scene of adultery. And the phone kept ringing. Finally I decided to answer it. Yura, what's going on? You are completely out of your mind at an old age. Svita's voice vibrated with anger, where are you? I told you to wait for me at home. 
I was silent, I did not want to talk to her. We need to talk. You're a grown man, the father of the family, and you act like a naughty child. So far my wife was still talking. We have nothing to talk about. The situation is quite clear. I'm filing for divorce tomorrow. If you want to see me, come to the courthouse at 11 o'clock. I spoke slowly, trying to control myself. There and we'll discuss all matters. Svita turned off the phone. Suddenly something crunched outside the window. The rain was drumming softly on the glass, but the sound was clearly audible. I looked out the window and saw an indistinct shadow flickering by the fence, in the dim light from the window. My heart raced. Subconsciously, by some unknown instinct, I suddenly realized that there was someone in the yard. And this someone was now lurking in the tall weeds, watching me through the lighted window. I picked up my gun carefully, clicked the safety catch, and extinguished the light. Cautiously, holding his gun at the ready, he looked out the window. Without dressing, I pushed the front door with my foot and stepped out onto the porch unobtrusively. Who's there? Come out. I shouted and raised my rifle. Don't shoot. A frightened voice answered from the darkness, and a woman in an overdressed and knitted cap of an incomprehensible color came into the light. Who are you? I was taken aback. Leucia. Who? Leucia. I live here, not far from here, in the village. It's five kilometers from here. The woman spoke. Quickly. It's just that Ivan was drunk today, so he kicked me out. He always swears and fights when he's drunk. I slept here a few times before, and now I thought the house was empty. It's strange, I didn't see any sign of a woman in the house. Oh, don't you think so? I always clean up after myself. And I haven't touched a thing. The stranger seemed to read my mind. If you'll excuse me, I have to go. The woman turned and walked into the darkness. For some reason my heart ached. She is as lost as I am. Wait for me. I shouted after the hunched over figure in the rain. Come inside, get warm. The woman stood for a while, as if she hesitated, then turned around and went hesitantly to the porch. Without undressing, the woman sat down on the edge of a stool, the room was already hot. Take off your coat, I'll hang it by the stove to dry. I held out my hand. She hesitantly took off her coat and hat. She wasn't old at all, about 45 years old. With unwashed hair and a bruise under her right eye. Ivan was a harsh man. The woman had a stale nighty under her coat. She must have jumped out in what she was wearing. Just her coat and hat. I looked at her feet. They were in a man's rubber boots five sizes larger. Lucia caught my gaze and tried to put her feet under the stool. How often does Ivan bring you up in this way? I asked him, hanging my coat on the back of the chair. No. Once or twice a week. He's good, but when he drinks he swears. The woman tried to cover the yellow bruises on her arms with the short sleeves of her nighty. He shelters me, feeds me, clothes me. Well, he's a husband. I grinned, remembering Svita. He is supposed to support his wife. We are not married, so we live. I help him with the household, with the children. His wife died, and now he has three children left. Leucia sighed. 
I sleep in the old banya. There's no room in the house. I only stay at home when he feels like it. Or when friends come over. She didn't finish and blushed. What morals? Ivan's not greedy either, sharing his woman with his friends. Why don't you get away from such a life? Where to? Who needs me? And I don't have a passport. Lucia was silent, with her head down. It seemed to me that she silently cried. I took stewed meat out of the fridge and put the kettle on the stove. There was not much food, I did not count on guests. But it is better than nothing. I said cutting bread. I thought about it and got vodka. Poured a little bit into aluminum mug. Have a drink. Otherwise you'll shake, you'll get sick. The woman took the mug and looked at me apprehensively. Drink, it's vodka. The guest ate and began to pack. I looked out the window. The rain had increased. The wind was rumbling over the lake and even in the house I could hear the waves crashing against the pier. All right. Stay here. Spend the night, and tomorrow you'll go to your Ivan. I turned to Leosar. The weather's gone bad. You'll get lost again. The woman was looking in front of her, languishing in the warmth of food and vodka. It seems that Ivan did not spoil her much. I helped her to the bed. I laid her down and covered her with a blanket. I sat down in a chair in front of the stove, pressed my gun to my side and fell asleep. I was awakened by the loud cawing of crows. It was a clear morning. I looked at my watch it was almost eight in the morning. The front door creaked open. Lyusia appeared on the doorstep with a kettle in her hand. Good morning, she said, greeting politely. Come and have some tea. I looked at the table. Right in the middle was a plate with a loaf of bread and a cup. Hello, Lyusia. Have you already had tea? I bent over and began to rub my feet to quickly restore blood circulation. I'm later, after you. Somehow frightened my guest replied. Bring another cup and sit down. I pulled a stool for her. It was not much of a breakfast. Apparently the guest did not dare to open the refrigerator. I got up and opened the door. I took out a can of stew and some eggs. Have a seat. We're about to have a real breakfast. I grabbed my groceries and went out into the hallway. I quickly washed my face from a washstand hanging in the corridor. In 15 minutes the table was decorated with a frying pan with fried eggs and stew, a plate with butter and a vase with sweets. Lucia sat motionless, with her hands folded in her lap. Well, what about you? Eat, or it will get cold. I put a big piece of eggs on her plate and poured a cup. A fragrant tea. Will you eat with me? She asked quietly, looking straight ahead. Of course. Let's eat, otherwise I have to go to town. I ate with gusto, drinking sweet tea. Thank you, I should probably go. Ivan would be angry. She said uncertainly. He threw you out. Why should he be angry? What will you have for breakfast? I got up from the table. I have to go now. Eat, don't hurry. Don't put the dishes away. Lock the house, put the key over the front door. Forty minutes later I arrived at the courthouse. It didn't take me long to process the divorce papers and by 10 to 11 I was sitting on a bench in the square in front of the court. 
I left the car a block away. Just in case. At precisely 11 o'clock Svita's black Lexus stopped in front of the courthouse. My wife looked like a goddess who had come down to earth. I silently watched Svita's appearance in public, making no attempt to attract her attention. It is necessary, she will see for herself. And she saw. A slight grimace of dissatisfaction flashed on her face as she defiled in my direction. Hello, Yura. She sat down on the edge of the bench, scenting me with expensive perfume. How long have you been waiting? I was silent. Are you sulking at me? After all, nothing terrible happened. After living with you for so many years, I've earned the right to a private life. I still love you, and I'm not going to change anything in our lives. But I'm a woman, I want attention and love. You suit me in every way, both as a husband and as a man. But for a woman's health me need some, she hesitated for a moment, variety. That boy you scared to death, I need him to keep me in shape, to keep me healthy, after all. She looked at me questioningly, waiting for a reaction. But I stubbornly remained silent. Even Mosha supported me. She totally agreed with me and thought that having a young partner at my age is quite normal. By the way, Igor, a friend of her young man. She was the one who asked him to find me a healthy, understanding boy. My eyes went black. My daughter was looking for a lover for her mother, spitting on me, her father. They were discussing the subject with each other. And I also wondered why Mosha smirks and looks at me contemptuously. She and her mother had long ago stopped respecting me as a father and husband. As a man, finally. Yura, finish doing nonsense and go back to the family. That's enough. You've satisfied your male ego. Many women in our circle do as I do. And their husbands are fine with it. If you love me, you must understand me. She put her hand on my knee. Let's go, we must make peace. You are my husband, and I love you. Only you. I almost threw up at these words. I took her hand off my knee with two fingers, squeamishly. Don't waste time with words. I spoke, trying not to look at her. I filed the divorce papers. I do not. See obstacles to the expansion of your personal life. You can have a few more lovers. Divorce? Svita's tone changed. You're not getting a divorce. Mind you, I'll just put you in an asylum, you idiot. And I'll visit occasionally with my next lover. Or better yet. I'll make you come crawling back to me. And I'll give you a corner. And you'll see me having fun with a young lover every day. And you'll serve us champagne in between sex. Who do you think you are? You're nothing. Svita's face flushed with righteous anger. Tomorrow our kids and I are leaving for Cyprus. My business partner has a luxury villa there. We'll be there for two weeks. And Igor is coming with me. He will always be there for me. And I'll sleep with him whenever I want. Just so you know. If you come to your senses and decide to come back to the family, come and everything will be as it was before. But if you don't come, it will be like I told you before. Svita stood up. Here's a plane ticket with an open date. You can come whenever you want. I told you everything. It's up to you. Without saying goodbye, she walked to the car and sat down in the driver's seat. 
As the car drove away, her daughter's face flashed through the window. I was already on the highway when Dima called. Daddy. Is it true? You left mom? You lived together for so many years, what happened? Did you find someone else? The questions were coming in like peas. Dima, calm down. These are questions you should ask your mother. I was talking, keeping my eyes on the road. Or your sister. Daddy, don't twist my words. Mom and Mosha told me everything. How could you? I don't want to know you after that. He turned off the phone. I remembered an expression I read in some book, if a child after 15 years has not become your friend, if he does not rave about his father, he is a stranger to you, if the son does not worship his father, he is not your son. Yes, Svita, good job. All right. I have raised the children, they are not poor. They earn their own money. I fulfilled my destiny. How they treat me is a matter of their conscience. I have nothing to reproach myself for. There was a police car with its blinker on outside my house. I stopped the car and got out. There was a policeman standing on the porch, pounding on the door with his fist. The other one was sitting in the car, muttering something into the radio station. I walked around the police and asked politely, gentlemen, what's the matter? The policeman on the porch paid no attention to me, continuing to pound on the door with the tenacity of a woodpecker. Who are you? There was a hoarse voice behind me. I turned around. A second policeman was standing there with his stick at the ready, looking at me warily. Me, the owner of this house. And of this property, which you have entered without my permission. Have you any papers? The first one stopped pounding on the door and turned to me. Yes, they are in the house. I pushed the policeman aside and reached over the door with my hand. There was no key. Someone was in the house. Most likely, my guest never got out to his beloved Ivan. Lucia. It's me, don't be afraid to open. I knocked on the door. The woman stood at the door itself, for she opened it at once. I stepped into the hallway. The policeman tried to squeeze in behind me. Gentlemen, do you have a warrant? The officers looked at me like I was crazy. This woman's husband has filed a search warrant for her. We have to take her into custody and bring her to the station. As far as I know, she was only kicked out of the house last night. I wonder when her landlord had time to file a report. I spoke very politely, remembering to press the call button on my cell phone in my pocket. Look. One of the policemen pushed me away and went into the house. Listen, you. Get ready, you husband was waiting for me. One spoke mockingly, turning to my guest. And you get ready, let's see who you are. The second suddenly hit me with a stick under the breath. The blow knocked my breath out, and I bent in half, with my hands on my chest. Lucia wanted to help me, but one of the policemen grabbed her arm and dragged her to the car. The other one lifted me by the collar and punched me in the chest again. You should be simpler, uncle. And people will reach out to you. He laughed loud and resounding. Citizen Evleva claims that you tricked her into the house and abused her. What do you have to say about that? The interrogator looked at me predatory. By the way, there were traces of beatings on her body. I suppose you did that, didn't you? May I see Citizen Evleva? 
Frankly, I wanted to get it over with quickly. Not now. The policeman put aside a fine piece of paper. Well, shall we confess? Yes, I found a quiet corner. I wanted solitude. At that moment the door opened, and a whole major came in. Judging by how briskly the interrogator jumped up, he was a big boss. He waved lazily at the master in charge and took the interrogation report in his hands. Sorry, Yuri. There was a misunderstanding. Citizen of Lever was mistaken, she did not mean you. You are free to go. He glared at the policeman and left. A black jeep with tinted windows was waiting for me outside the police station. I sat down next to the driver, and the car shifted smoothly. A few meters away I saw some drunken man smashing Lucia's face. With his palm. Next to her, stood a wretched old woman and muttered. So to her. Do not run and do not disgrace us. Lucia doomed to stand, not trying to get away, only covered her eyes, from which a stream of tears flowed. Stop the car. I touched the driver by the shoulder and opened the door. Do you need any help? He asked without turning his head. I can do it myself. Without getting into a debate with the man, I kicked him under the knee. And when he turned around, I punched him in the nose with all my might. Something crunched, and the man drove his head into the side windshield of his car. But the glass withstood the blow and the man, leaving a trail of blood on it, slowly crawled to the front wheel and fell silent. The woman standing nearby opened her mouth to yell, but when she caught my gaze, she changed her mind. I went over to Lucia. Will you come with me? She nodded. Then get in the car. I looked at the man lying there. The main thing, no aggression. I got in the front seat and slammed the door. Then winter came. The road to the highway was blocked and covered with snow. I made a deal in the village, and the tractor driver managed to clear it so that a car could pass over it for two bottles of vodka. The noise of a car engine woke me up. I did not get up for some time, trying to retain fragments of a dream. I cautiously got off the bed and, shivering from the cold, went to the window. Right in front of the house a big black car stopped, and a subject got out of it with difficulty. A bodyguard in all his primal glory. After the bodyguard, the young subject climbed out of the car, followed by my, still wife, Svita. She slipped, but the young man managed to support her by the elbow. They stared at the house, as if waiting for the Wizard of the Emerald City to appear. I put on my coat and went out onto the porch. I was silent. Uninvited guests were the first to raise their voices. Are you the host? The bodyguard said menacingly. I threw my jacket on the parapet and came down from the porch. It seems that the man was in a belligerent mood. Tolik, calm down. Suddenly came up with his voice Svita and turned to me. Sorry for the intrusion, but we need to talk. Maybe you want to invite me into the house? I shrugged. Svita looked in the car. Samuel. She called. Another character climbed out of the car with a grunt. I knew him. A famous divorce lawyer. Move it, you bastards. I turned to the door. Come on in. Frankly, I don't like uninvited guests. Cautiously stepping on the icy steps, Svita and the lawyer came into the hallway. After them reached out and the good man. 
but I stopped him with my hand against his chest. We need to talk to your mother. You should have seen his face. If he could have, he'd have torn me to pieces. But he couldn't, and he knew it. Lucia turned round at the door and said a polite hello to the uninvited guests. She quickly realized that Svita was my wife. I could tell by the jealousy in her eyes. Svita also looked curiously at Lucy. Quickly, that you were comforted. Could not help it through her teeth she muttered. I said angrily, tell me what you want. The lawyer sat down on a stool and opened his briefcase. Yuri. Your wife is suing the court to declare you incompetent. You at one time had a severe concussion, which gave complications that led to a temporary mental disorder. You should be examined at a psychiatric hospital to determine your legal capacity. The lawyer chewed his lips. The question is whether you will do so voluntarily, or whether we will have to go to the appropriate authorities to enforce your appearance. As far as I understand, the examination is done by court order. Do you have it in your hands? I looked at the lawyer calmly. And where do you want to go, to forcibly lock me up in a mental hospital? My pressure somewhat discouraged the lawyer. Yura, I'm worried about your health. You need to take a course of treatment. The doctors will help you get rid of your obsessions. And you'll go back to your family. The children are so upset, they want to see you. Svita almost sobbed with resentment for the children. The question is, do I want to see them? I thought, and out loud said. I understand your desire to quickly put me in the asylum. Ostensibly for my own good. But you were in a hurry. There was no trial and I don't need any counselling. I won't discuss anything with you. Svita, take your lackeys and get off my land. I looked expressively at the gun hanging on the wall. Are you threatening? Samuel, I told you, he's inadequate and aggressive. Svita looked at the lawyer pleadingly. In that case, we are forced to ask for help. The lawyer pulled out his cell phone. Svita, stop, you're making another mistake. I tried to speak calmly. Let's solve everything in peace. Yura, it's all for your own good. You'll thank me later. She took a step toward me, trying to hug me. Come on, get out of here. I pointedly looked at the hanging shotgun. You're crazy for sure. Svita shrieked and looked at the lawyer. Samuel, do something. I told you to get out. I held the gun with the barrel down. You're threatening us with a gun. You really are crazy. The lawyer jumped up, knocking over a stool. He grabbed my wife by the arm and dragged her toward the exit. They rolled off the porch in a heap. I followed them out onto the porch. Get in the car and go. But before I could say anything, a police van pulled up to the house. The door opened, and gun-wielding soldiers poured out of the van like peas from a pod. They deftly surrounded the house, cutting off my escape route. Mr. Koltsov, drop your weapons and come out with your hands up. A bubbly major squawked into the loudspeaker. That's love. Svita decided to hold me by any means necessary. I even respected her, but not for long. A black SUV drove up to the picturesquely positioned special forces. A young man stepped out of it and looked over the battlefield. Who's in charge? He turned to the frozen policeman. 
And who are you? The bumpy major walked up to the stranger. The man took his ID card out of his pocket and shoved it under the major's nose. Colonel Kazonzev, head of the Special Operations Division of the Department of National Security. On what grounds and by whose order are the special forces involved? Well, that is. We received a call that a man was holding a hostage in this house. The major was clearly out of his depth. They said that the owner of this house is crazy. Take your men and go away. We'll deal with you later. Svita and her companions froze in surprise. The situation was changing like a child's kaleidoscope. The policeman quickly piled into the minibus and drove away. The colonel approached Svita's car. Hello, Svetlana. He politely said hello. Do I know you? Svita raised her eyebrows in surprise. Only in absentia. Mr. General told me about you. He paused for a moment and then added, only. Good things. My advice to you, solve everything amicably. Svita dazedly looked from me to the colonel. Did you say general? She stretched her head in surprise. Yes, for the whole year. And you did not know. My former deputy headed towards me. Hello, Yuri. Why didn't you make your wife happy? He smiled as he came up on the porch. Sometimes it's better to know less. Even devoted wives. I shook his outstretched hand. Lucia stayed with me for a while. Gradually she thawed out. Her roommate made no more attempts to get her back, knowing full well what that would entail. By the way, the police no longer came after me either. Apparently some underground channels leaked information about a retired general who did not like uninvited guests. I took Lucy into town. We visited a beauty salon and several fancy boutiques. And the woman was transformed. She went from a frightened, slutty girl to a beautiful princess. I took her to the clinic to a doctor I knew. They examined Lucia and found nothing dangerous. Except for one thing. She would never have children again. The effect of numerous abortions performed at one time on the orders of her master. I did not ask how old she was, but she looked about 30. She had her whole life ahead of her. Despite the fact that I really liked her, I tried to keep her at a distance. Cutting off all attempts to get close to me. In every way. You can't cheat age. She was too young and too beautiful to be with me. My train had already skipped past the penultimate station and was approaching its terminus at breakneck speed. Besides, I was fed up with being in a relationship with a woman and I didn't want any more disappointments or problems. A month later some distant relative of hers came along and invited her to stay with her. Lucia was in a hurry. I supplied her with money and wished her happiness. The last night before she left, Lucia came to me and I could not resist. How can a single man refuse something beautiful young woman? And it all happened. Once the whole time. She was waiting for me to ask her to stay, but I said nothing. In the morning she stood by the cab for a long time, still hoping for something. And then she left my life. We divorced Svita in the end. Although she begged me in court not to leave her. Don't leave her. As if she wasn't the one who had taken a young lover under my nose and been fooling around with him for almost six months. I even had my doubts about having kids. 
but the DNA tests reassured me. The absence of her husband took its toll on Svita. It was obvious that she really regretted our breakup. My ex-wife came to see me several times and begged me to forgive her. She said that she had broken up with her lover at once, and that she was carrying her lover around with her to piss me off. And she succeeded. I, of course, forgave her, so many years together. But I never went back to her. Children? What about children? I love them, but I don't let them near me. Especially my daughter. Still very fresh resentment. Mosha also tried to talk to me, but I categorically refused to talk to her. God is her judge. The receptionist stood up. Mr. General. The director is waiting for you. When I entered the office, Vardik stood up from his desk and came out to meet me. We embraced. How did you do it? I pulled away and looked at my friend. It was almost impossible. Well, no more difficult than you, Yura, pull me badly wounded from the battlefield. Vardik, that is, the director of the Department of National Security, laughed. Take over the position, no more sitting in retirement. He was silent for a while and, smiling slyly, asked. Have some cognac. P.S. A year had passed. My car was rushing along the highway, dispersing the light snow that had fallen overnight, leaving a fast lingering trail behind it. In some places I could still see the miraculously preserved bright, red-yellow foliage, especially against the background of the green-brown autumnal forest, I even felt sorry for it for a minute. I returned from my business trip and was on my way home, where I hadn't been in more than a month. All that time I had been living alone, enjoying my freedom. I had rebuilt the house, traveled a lot. Only now did I get a real taste of life. But more and more often at night I dreamt about Leucia. Alas, the past could not be undone. I knew that we were not destined to be together. And she never even called me once during all this time. Apparently, she had found her happiness after all. But I put the old lock on the new door, just in case, and when I left I always kept the key in its old place. After ten kilometers I turned off onto an unpaved road. The wheels crunched the thin ice in puddles glistening in the dim autumn sun. The road turned sharply to the left and ended in a one-story house made of pine logs. I parked the car, took a bulky bag out of the trunk, and went up to the porch. Suddenly the door opened and a young woman with a baby in her arms came out towards me. Hi, Lucy shyly looked into my eyes. We were waiting for you, the sun was shining brightly. The sky was almost clear, and its dazzling blue cut my eyes. A fresh breeze from the lake played with the tops of the tall pines, lifting up sparkling white clouds. Dear listeners, your support is very important to us. If you like our story, please like, comment and subscribe. It's very motivating for us. We need your feedback to improve our content. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.